0: Great, okay, we're going to look at this passage, I understand that you've been working through uh, Luke's Gospel, uh, Luke chapter 10, let's just look particularly at verses 2 and 3, I'd like to tell you what page number is on your uh, church uh, Bibles, but I don't know what it is, someone can shout it out, we'll jump around a little bit, but we will also, uh, they will all come up uh, on there, um, and if I use the clicker I think we'll be alright, okay, One oh four one. Yeah, okay, 1041. He told them, this is Jesus speaking, he told them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way, behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. The harvest truly is great. It certainly is. I want to tell you about three people I've got to know recently. And actually you may find that some of you know them. See if you can uh, see if any of you know these people. Bridget uh, is 30-something. Bright, creative and successful. Just started a great new job in telephone, uh, television production. Spends her evenings eating and drinking with friends and looks as if she's got everything. But most nights she records in her diary her sense of failure and despair. She's desperate to find Find A man who will truly be committed to her instead of just using her and leaving her. She lurches from torrid affair to pregnancy scare. She worries about dying alone and being eaten by an Alsatian. She's convinced that if only she could get down to eight stone seven pounds, stop smoking and give up lottery instance, then life would be fine. Rob is about the same age as Bridget. Some years ago he dropped out of university into a dead-end job running a second-hand record shop. He can't keep a girlfriend and life seems hopeless. He says, life is like some film where the money ran out and there's no sets or locations or supporting actors and it's just one bloke on his own staring into the camera with nothing to do and nobody to speak to. Like Bridget, Rob is afraid of dying. Elizabeth is more scared of living. Than dying. She said, it says, each morning you wake up afraid you're going to live. Like Bridget, Elizabeth parties and drinks a lot. She also takes many different drugs, but none of these can relieve her sense of hopelessness and despair. No one will ever love me, she says. I will live and die alone. Three people I've met, got to know recently. Anyone recognize any of them? Bridget is? Bridget Jones, from Bridget Jones' Diary. Rob? High Fidelity, Rob Gordon from High Fidelity, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Wurtzow from Prozac Nation. High Fidelity, Prozac Nation, Bridget Jones Diary, three three books turned into films which have been highly uh, influential in our culture, particularly amongst 30-somethings, reflecting that sense of despair and hopelessness and longing for some answer, longing to find some meaning and some purpose in life. The harvest truly is great. People are looking for hope, for meaning, for faith. Now, do you know? Often, when you hear this passage preached on, "Pray the Lord of the Harvest will send out labourers into His harvest field," we think, "Yes, let's send people on overseas mission. Overseas mission is really important; it's vital that we do that." But we, it's not an excuse for us not to be engaged in mission ourselves. We are there to reach the people in our locality, in, around the people, the people that we work with, the people that we live with, the people in the neighbourhood, to reach those people with the wonderful gospel. we're going to kind of reflect on that a bit together today and some of the opportunities and challenges and my prayer is that God will speak to you and you'll say yes he really is sending you out yes as a lamb amongst wolves. Anybody recognize this character? Anyone know who that is? Some of you will have seen his films if you're unlucky enough. Uh, (laughs) Quentin Tarantino. Quentin Tarantino, famous film director who some years ago famously said cinema is the new church. People are not going to church, they're going to cinema. He's partly right and partly wrong. He's partly wrong in the fact that there still are loads of people going to church. 7.6 million people in Britain today are in church. In 47,000 churches. The church is still the largest community group in our society. Far, far larger than Women's Institute or Scouts or Rotary. It's in a completely different league. And yet, if there are 7.6 million in church, that means there's what? Over 50 million uh, who are not. And they are going to cinema. And cinema is shaping their beliefs and values. And cinema is raising for them spiritual and moral issues. Spiritual and moral questions. I'm going to give you an example from an unusual film. This film just uh, launched. It's downtown now. You can go and see. I'll talk to you a bit more about it uh, in just a minute. Nativity 2 Danger in the Manger. Um, Let me just play you a little clip. And then I'm going to play you a serious bit from the film as an example of even a film right now is raising questions in people's minds. Now we're going to see if all this is going to work you know even in a fun film like that there are phrases that people hear and they think yeah that's what i need now do you know a forever friend do you know a friend that will stay with you forever and you've got people in cinemas who are hearing that longing for where can i find that and our job our task is to help them on their spiritual journey so that actually they can find a forever friend now look i'm going to take you back to Acts 17 uh, we're going to jump around a little bit. Uh, don't, you don't need to follow all of it uh, because, but do read Acts 17 when you get home today. Paul was in Athens telling the wonderful story of the message of Jesus and he was preaching in that culture and what did he use to illustrate his talk? He used the poets and philosophers of that time. He quoted and uh, and illustrated his presentation of the good news of Jesus by quoting the poets and philosophers of his time. Now the poets and philosophers of his time were the popular culture of his time. They were the equivalent of the films, music, and TV of today. If Paul was here today, preaching on Portswood, he would be using the latest films, music, and TV to, to illustrate his presentation of the good news of Jesus. And at the end of Acts 17 we find, I'll just read you this little Bit. A few men became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysius, a member of the Areopagus, and also a woman named Damaris. And a number of others. That's where we get the name of our ministry from, Damaris. It's about helping people on their spiritual journey towards faith through using films, music and TV. And I want to commend it to you as you're looking at how you're going to be reaching the people around, people around who increasingly don't want to go to church but are going to cinema and that's shaping their beliefs and values but that's also raising within them a desire For how do I find answers? You know, what we do is classic missiology. You know, if you train as a missionary to go to another country, you'd be trained on, you'd be asking, what are the stories of this culture? What are the stories told around the village fire? How do those stories in that culture shape people's beliefs and values? And how can you communicate the gospel to people with those beliefs and values? And, crucially, is there a way in which you can use their stories to communicate the gospel? Now, all we're doing is saying, think missiologically about our own culture. That's what we need to do. Think, well, how can we reach people in our culture? What are the stories that are told? Well, they're not told around a village fire, but the stories are told in a cinema and uh, on TV and in popular music. And our task, then, is to be labourers in God's harvest field, helping to help those people to find the answer that is there in Jesus' laborers, working hard. Do you know, outreach, I find outreach really difficult. Uh, It's not easy, I would much rather not do it, I'd much rather do other things, and all of us are like that. And yet God calls us to do it. There's nothing more important than sharing God's good news with other people. When I was uh, asked by IVP to write a book, I was a a university missioner. Uh, I I did 65 university and college missions uh, in universities across the country, then needed half an hour to lie down in a darkened room, I can tell you. Um, But uh, most of the work that I did in universities was in the form of debate. I would debate with a professor of philosophy or professor of sociology. Whoever was an atheist who would debate with me and we'd have a bare pit setting with students asking questions and sometimes I'd think they must like me because they threw me food which was very nice uh, of them uh, and uh, uh, so uh, now I, but it's so hard doing it so many times I would think to myself I'd rather not I'd rather go and do something easier than doing this so my first book was called evangelism made slightly less difficult uh, because there is a lot in that it isn't easy but we are called to proclaim him admonishing teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in christ to this end i now here's that word again labor to this end i labor and notice struggling with all his energy that works so powerfully in me so don't say to yourself, well the whole idea of mission, of reaching other people, wouldn't it be nice to use this church just for ourselves? Uh, but the idea of using it to reach other people, oh I find that so hard, it's hard work, I'd labour at it, I'd be struggling at it. Yes, yes, that's right, that's our job. Our job is to labour and struggle, but then we discover His energy working powerfully in us. It's as we labour and struggle, then we discover his energy, his power working in us to reach other people and doing miraculous things. I want to tell you a story that I hope will inspire you. When I, uh, this was um, all about 10, 11 years ago, and John Simmons, who's here today, he was on our board uh, in our ministry, we'd been working in the universities and colleges, and we really felt God was calling us to reach this generation, uh, that goes all ages by the way, but this generation of all ages, who are so influenced by cinema, but not uh, not coming to church. And we say, what we want to do is find some way to work with the film industry to create outreach resources that can be used to help people who are going to see the films and raising questions. How can we help them on in their spiritual journey? How can we help Christians to reach their neighbourhood and their communities around? Now, you look at some of these big companies and you think oh my goodness here we this little charity with hardly any money hardly any resources sat around our dining table in our house and there's john with us saying well this is going to be difficult isn't it Nick?' yes all the others say it's going to be difficult isn't it but if god's in it god will do it and god will make it happen and we had so many people telling us this can't be done you can't achieve it it's too big a vision just leave it go and do something easier and uh, uh, simpler but we stepped out in faith and trusted god we sold our our house actually, we sold our house. We, we did all sorts of different things at that time. I wasn't well, I'd just been diagnosed with very, very high blood pressure, and the doctor was trying to get me to take all this time off and all these sort of things. But you kind of think, Well, if this, God, if this is true, if there's God's power, will work in us and enable us uh, to do this. We started by saying. Let's start with uh, creating resources around DVD releases. So a DVD film comes out. Well, anyone can go and buy one of those. So what we did was we started creating schools resources around DVDs. And we started a website called relessonsonline.com, publishing a new religious education lesson every week based on the latest films coming out on DVD huge response amongst schools right now it's still going now we've also got assembliesonline.com new assembly for primary schools and secondary schools 10% of UK schools use that 10% of UK schools their religious education is using our resources and they're often presented by a non-christian teacher to a non-christian class but using our material why because it's based on the latest films but the latest films, world DVD, that's kind of six months later, well the time we really want to get to is actually the cinema release, so is there a way in which we could persuade the film industry to give us clips from the film that isn't yet out in the cinema, uh, and uh, access to the stars, to do interviews with the stars, and opportunities to actually create official resources around the film as part of the film's publicity that sounds like a huge vision, with the do we believe that that would be possible? And so many people are saying that can't be possible. Carol and I worked with the Billy Graham Association for a while. And Stan Eisen, a great visionary with the Billy Graham Association, he used to always say to me, Nick, he said, Nick, reach for the stars. If you reach for the stars, there's one thing you sure won't end up with. He's American, sorry. Sure won't end up with. Well, I said, what's that? He said, a handful of mud. Quite right. There you go. American folksy humour. Um, so, so how do you start then trying to trying to get in contact with these. They don't advertise where they are. You don't advertise the phone numbers. You don't know who the people are. You're working so hard, knocking on doors, trying to phone calls, trying to get access. I remember one day I eventually got a a meeting with the head of publicity of Paramount Pictures, and they were just um, preparing to release Star Trek. And I thought, Star Trek, full of themes. And I I got in. She was going to give me this short meeting. I wanted to present how we could create resources around the themes of Star Trek, And she looked at me straight in the eye and she said, we're presenting it as an action-adventure film for teenagers. And all her body language was, the meeting is over, and I could carry on for a little bit, which I did, trying not to appear totally stupid, uh, but then that was the end of it. Now, but the fact is that actually we're working with all his energy that so powerfully works in us. We didn't give up. We kept going, we kept pushing, we kept seeking opportunities and praying all the time that God would open doors. Where we are now with Paramount is that Paramount invites us into their studios in Chiswick to see all their films. They're working with us on a, a year ahead. What films they got coming out a year ahead. And would we create the official resources to go with those films? We created the official community resources for The Iron Lady, uh, for Best Exotic Marigold Hotel. Uh, um, for We worked with 20th Century Fox... Uh, to re-release Chariots of Fire. That was largely through our support and initiative to actually get that re-released uh, in a digitally remastered form uh, to work uh, as part of the, um, uh, the, millenn- the uh, uh, Olympic celebrations. Now I can tell you, tell you how, that, how that happened, but I don't want to bore you with the details. The fact is, I want to raise your vision that actually God calls us to go out as lambs amongst wolves with a big vision of what we can do because we have a big God who can do great things fantastic things we're working with 20th century fox at the minute on life of pi we're creating all the official community resources for the life of pi now if there's anyone from the press here this is embargoed what i'm going to show now is embargoed uh, until the 4th of december uh, so please uh, but this is just a little clip uh, from the uh, one of the resources that we've created to go uh, with the film official community view resources going to be used by, by all sorts of groups right across the country and the work is really taking off, uh, our latest uh, staff member has just joined us Sarah uh, is on the table at the back uh, we are looking for more people to work with us in terms of promotion to get this out so if you know anyone who's got a real heart for and gift in promotion then please uh, talk to us but the journey to it has not been easy and that's what I want to inspire you in, that actually we labour and struggle, whatever it is that God is calling you to do as a church to reach your neighbourhood your community, whatever God is calling you to as an individual, to reach the people whose lives you touch yes it's it's difficult, you will feel it's an impossible task all you need to do is labour and struggle that's your job what God's job is, is to provide His energy, which will powerfully work in you. Now that isn't the message that a lot of people want to hear in church. It isn't the message that there are people with uh, uh, wonderful people who will tell you, when you become a Christian, it's all about having a cozy Christian life. The, the warm Christian fuzzies, the health and wealth. Uh, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your bank balance. That isn't the gospel uh, that is, the, that is the, to read the Bible. To go back to, uh, we're in the, in the Damaris office, uh, we as a team, because we're working with the films all the time, but at 11 o'clock, Each morning we stop, we read sequentially through Scripture, and we pray together. We're having a fantastic time at the minute in the Book of Genesis, and this little passage that really struck out to me, uh, where where Jacob uh, wrestles with God, wrestles with God, and uh, God says to him, "Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed." The word Israel means struggle. That's what it means. So all the way through the Old Testament, when the children of Israel were calling themselves the children of Israel, they were saying, we're the children of struggle. That's what we do. That's what we are. Step forward into the book of Acts. Paul had just had this encounter with God on the road to Damascus and Ananias is sent to tell him what he's going to do. That he is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. What's he going to say to him? Do you know it's fantastic. You're going to see loads of people come to faith. You're going to write stuff that's actually going to be in the Bible. Isn't that fantastic? No, he says, show him how much he must suffer for my name. That's our job. That's what mission is all about. The trouble is we get it so cosy and so easy here, don't we? It was fantastic seeing Alison uh, uh, up there talking. Uh, dear Alison, uh, it's just fantastic. But you know, it reminded me of a true story. In the old Soviet Union, a group of people meeting together to worship and praise God like this. The old Soviet Union, in through the door came some KGB officers with Kalashnikov rifles. They came still at the front, they held them up and they said, we are going to kill all the Christians in this room. If you are not a Christian, leave now. Lots of people left. But some stayed. They held up their rifles, they said, don't think you understand. We are going to kill all the Christians in this room. If you are not a Christian, this is your last chance. Leave now. Some more left, a few stayed. They held up the rifles to their heads and they said, so you are Christians, yeah, and you are prepared to die for your faith, yeah. At that point, the KGB officers put their guns down. They said, we're not going to shoot you. We want to become Christians. We just needed to know that you were genuine. Now, if that was you, what would you have done? You know, we're called to stand for God no matter what. The trouble is, it is so much easier in here than it is out there. It's dangerous out there. Some interesting accident statistics. Do you know, 20% of accidents happen in a car, 17% of accidents happen in the home, 15% of accidents happen in the air or railways, and 0.001% of accidents happen in church. Well, there you go. You want a nice, cozy, easy life, you stay in church. Because not much happens in here, but God calls us to go out friend of mine wrote this book, Who Switched the Price Tags? He said, look, it's like in the world, there are some things that are really valuable, and there are some things that are not very valuable. And he said it's like someone's gone around in the middle of the night like in a shop and switched all the price tags around. So we got things that actually aren't really valuable, physical things about wealth and fame and popularity and all that kind of stuff. And they're not worth very much, but they've got a big price ticket on them. And the other things, spiritual things, about relationship, about serving others, about serving God, those sort of things that are really valuable, they're seen as, as not very valuable, and we have to say we want to then turn that around and see the world through God's eyes, instead of seeing God through the world's eyes and I think the place we start is at the cross when we see what Jesus did for us and for people like, like Rob and Bridget and Elizabeth who are desperate to find hope and meaning. Like the people, thousands upon thousands, millions of people today will be in cinemas watching films and hearing things that make them think I wish I had a forever friend. I wish I could find meaning and purpose. And Jesus died for us and caused us to share his gospel with them. And what do we do with our lives we find all sorts of other things to do apart from the mission that God has called us to and we need to look at the cross and we need to see what Jesus did for us and therefore that our life is bought at a price it's not, it's not ours anymore I'm going to tell you a true story a True story, it happened in the second world war in Delina in Poland a, uh, the Nazis were approaching rounding up all the Jewish people and taking them off and killing them And a a guy called Joseph Kramer had the forethought to uh, uh, build a bunker which he could cover and hide. And he invited all his Jewish neighbours and friends into that bunker. 47 men, women and children hid in that bunker as the Nazis arrived into the village. They could hear the jackboots coming. They quaked with fear, desperate that they would not be discovered. And then as the jackboots got closer, Joseph Kramer's son his only son, his one-year-old only son, started to whimper and then started to cry. And he looked from his son to his neighbours and the fear on their faces that they knew they were going to be discovered. True story this. And Joseph Kramer looked across to his wife and with tears rising in her eyes, she nodded to him. And he knew what that meant and he took his hands around his son's throat and he strangled his son. Now if you'd been in there if you had been in there, what would you say afterwards? You'd say, I owe everything, my life, I owe to the death of your son. I'm going to make my life count. Why should I live and he die? I'm going to make my life count. Now how much more with Jesus who died for us? Are you going to make your life count? Your life is bought at a price. Jesus said to them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Are you prepared to be a laborer? To say, whatever it costs, I'm going to serve you, reaching people in this community. You might say, well, I'm old. What can I do? it's hard even to survive I know what that's like my dear mother is 84 years old it's a struggle for her to even get out of her chair she hardly even leaves the house but what she does do is she prays and that's what you can do you can pray Billy Graham has a story he tells about uh, a, a journalist who said to him once, I suppose when you get to heaven, you'll be the most important person in heaven. And Billy said, no, the most important person in heaven is Jesus. But if you're thinking of who people will look to and say, oh, isn't it great that, uh, to meet this person? He said, it won't be me. He said, it won't be me. It will be some little old lady that nobody knows, nobody's ever heard of, but she's faithfully, dig- diligently prayed every day for mission we have people like that, People, many people here pray for us, we have a prayer diary that we publish, if you don't receive it you can go to demaris.org slash prayer to get it electronically or ask Alistair Murray who's here and he will show you how to um, uh, or, or Sarah on the table afterwards and we can uh, put you on to get it sent to you um, what's that thing called where you put it in an envelope with a stamp, uh, anyway so, uh, so we can get it sent to you uh, that way as well so to pray for other people it may be that you're saying actually I, there's a little bit I can do but not very much. Another true story. Anna Maria Millies was a servant in a house in the... um This would have been 19th century, 18th century, towards the end. Uh, Servant in the house. Think Downton Abbey. Big house kind of thing. She's a servant in. She got more and more old and weak and sick. She couldn't do very much. But the lady of the house said, you stay here, you have a home all the time that you're alive. And she stayed there and she said, I want to do something. So what she did do, every night, the only thing she could do was sit on her lap, the son of the house, the lady's son, on her lap and read him stories. Anna Maria Millies was a Christian, so she read him from the Bible. And he, as he grew up, looked back on those Bible stories that he heard from that dear old servant who could do hardly anything more than read him Bible stories. And she said, he said it was through that that he came to fight faith in Christ. And it was because of that that he lived the way he did. And that young boy grew up to be Lord Shaftesbury. Who, who did more to transform the society than anyone else over the last few centuries. No matter what we do, we can, we, what our situation, we can be used by God. Or you might say, well, I, there's things I can do, but I've got lots of responsibilities. I've got husband, I've got kids, i got... You know, that's okay, Sarah, who's just starting work with us, she's got husband and kids, and she works around it, all sorts of things. Gypsy Smith, great village evangelist. He was preaching in a village, afterwards a lady came up to him, she said, do you know, hearing you preach... I feel that God's called me to preach the gospel. Trouble is, I've got 12 kids, what should I do? He looked her in the eye and he said, I'm delighted God's called you to preach the gospel. And even more thrilled that he's given you a congregation. (laughs) Whatever situation you're in, God can use you. I want to give you three quick things you can do. Quickly, three things. This is a book I wrote some while ago. It's called If Only. It's a book for non Christians. It's a fictionalized story of three real people, two of whom were members of this church. You'll have to uh, work that out because I fictionalized it quite a bit. It's a book for non Christians. I want to give this to you free, right? I don't want anyone to pay for it because I want you to give it on to other people. If there is someone here who wants to pay for a providing all these free, that's a different thing. But I want you to take this think, read through it carefully without breaking the spine, and then give it to someone uh, as, a, uh, as a Christmas uh, gift. I want you to think of 20th of December when the film Life of Pi comes out. I want you to take one of these uh, bookmarks uh, which we did with Fox. Imagine what you could do. We'll be publishing all sorts of resources that will enable you to take groups. Think of your your, um, home groups that you could take. Taking all your non-Christian friends, work groups to take non-Christian friends to see the film and then come back using our resources to discuss and debate and uh, think about those issues. But right now, today, down in town... Nativity 2 is there, a fantastic family film, and uh, we've created all the outreach resources for that. You can go to uh, that website and you'll uh, find it. uh, And And I'm going to close in an unusual way, I'm not going to lead in a prayer, I'm going to play a song from the film, okay? which actually is, in my mind, you can use as a prayer. It's a song about, actually, we can do it, we can achieve if we lift our eyes to heaven. Think of all the people you could invite today. Non-Christian friends, non-Christian, with their non-Christian kids, come and see the film, come back, use our resources to think about that. The is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way, behold, I am sending you out as lambs among wolves. Lord, send us, we pray.